This is the Future of the Future show. I am your host, Mateo Berbejillo. Anthony Houston, thank you so much for being here. You are very welcome, Mateo. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm honored. We're going to be talking today about what it means to be a, a voiceover artist, right? And how you how you got there. Um, and so the story of your life, right? But let's get started with what you are doing today, right? What do you do today for a living, Anthony? Today, right here and now, um, I am a voiceover artist and voice actor full-time. Um, what this means is that essentially I aim to bring people's words to life in a way that adds impact. So whether that's telling the story of a new brand for a, for a video you're, you're putting online or even playing a character that you can actually believe in, whether, you know, in an animation or a, a video game or in a, a sort of gamified e-learning project, for instance. What are some of the projects that make you proudest that you can, you know, just uh, bring down to earth for the for the audience listening? Oh, proudest. Um, I, you know, I think that the the one I was most proud of um, was actually a, a was the first TV advert I did. It wasn't a hugely well paid one. It didn't go out on all the big channels, um, but it was a my first TV advert job and that's kind of the the dream for voiceover artists um and secondly it was for a charity and it was for a charity i hadn't previously heard of called christian blind mission and they they go out to developing countries and they use their expertise to 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 give children usually children who've who've lost their sight suffering from glaucoma and and, and such things that are not so common in the western world of course um uh to, to bring vision back to these 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 vulnerable people and usually usually young children and it was it was a real honor to actually give voice to that to think that that i might play a little part in in people donating and making this huge life-changing transformation possible for potentially hundreds thousands of of people over time so that was that was the thing i think i'm most proud of playing a part in that's beautiful and, and it has impact everywhere right it had a um, an impact on you your yeah. first tv advert it, it also had an impact on 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 children and and where was this ad uh running it just ran in the uk uh, on a couple of channels i i don't remember which this was about I think it was about four years ago, three, four years ago. And I'd, so I'd not actually been doing voiceover for very long at that stage either. Um, so I was all the more surprised and delighted, obviously, to, to win the job. Um, and yeah, so that, that went out to, to people who I might pass in the street. You know, it was that, it was that, it was that idea that actually you're making a difference and, and it, it's, it's, is being played in the ears of people you 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 might walk past, which is a surreal thing at that stage to think. Did, was this an inflection point in your career? Um, I think. Well, I'd already kind of made the decision that I needed to take this seriously. So, um, 
it's something I'd sort of mucked around the edges of voiceover for a little while. Um, and this was certainly the first job that I thought, oh, this is this is something I could actually do and, and maybe, you know, make a living from rather than it being right. a, a, a side hustle. So it was definitely emotionally and in terms of my own confidence, um, a, an inflection point, a, 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 just a tip, a tip in the balance. Did you call anyone like, hey, I just recorded this. It's going to be airing XYZ day. I did. Well, the thing is, I didn't know the exact um, days or times of, of an advert. So, yeah, I told, you know, I told my parents. Um, I I didn't, I'm not one to kind of, this is ironic being on a on a podcast talking about myself. <laughs> but I'm not, <laughs> but I'm I not, had to chase you. I had to chase you to get this A little stuff. bit. A little bit. I, I didn't play too hard to get. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not one to usually go out and and you know um, shout about achievements uh, or things I've done. So you know, you see, you see, you see on Facebook, for instance, you know, you'll know yourself um, that yeah. there are some friends out there, who are some people out there who will talk about every aspect of their lives or share their big achievements, and it might be yeah. something to do with their job that doesn't affect 95% of their contacts on Facebook, right. but they'll still talk about it. That yeah. to me is really weird. I find that 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 it feels that feels too boastful to me. So no, I I just told my parents about that. I think unless you know there were unless someone said, "Hey, this voiceover thing, are you doing anything interesting?" And then I'd say, "Well, I just did a did a charity TV commercial." Right. But, right, but right, other right. but otherwise, no, it's not something I went out and broadcast. Um, to people who wouldn't already be interested. <laughs> but telling your parents also says a lot about how important it was to you, right? Because yeah, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I still find that some of the folks that, you know, I yearn from them to, to like uh, cheer for or realize uh, big achievements is like parents, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, mom, dad, Look at you know. Look what I did, right? So it's. Uh, I yeah, think you, it tells a lot about how proud you were. Exactly, but I think it's it's also how how you want them to be proud of you. Yeah, isn't it? And yeah. I think that you know, um, in in principle, we all have a huge amount of promise from the outset, and depending on how life goes, you don't know whether you're really delivering on that promise. Um, in my case, for instance, um, I went to public school. Uh, from the age of about 11 to 18. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but so public school here is paid school. My parents paid for my oh, education. Oh, it's not public, public. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's a strange thing. We call it public school, but it's private school. Okay. It's a strange thing. It doesn't make sense. Uh, there must be there must <laughs> there must it. be a reason. I've never bothered to look it up. Uh, but I was in this. It was in this. You know, a state educated. So you know, standard schooling up to the age of about 11, and then went to a a. a, a reasonable paid school then from the age of 11 to 18 which means that you know that you're and my parents are not wealthy people they had you know they had some good years um and they decided to invest that in their children's education which is a, a lovely thing um and there's just that awareness that how much are you really delivering on oh. what, <laughs> you know, on what they've paid for, because it's not, you know, it's that that's above and beyond then the standard investment of hours and hours of time and patience and money in raising a child anyway, which is insane. And then you throw in, you know, however many thousand on on 
getting the getting them to actually learn something. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. Um, I I made my career um, working on English speaking jobs, right? Right. And and similar to you, I went to public public school in Uruguay and then to a private high school, but I was uh, doing private English lessons all along, right? Which, uh, okay. Which were that that was the the like the effort like private English lessons and at some point in time things were not good at home and there was a discussion like okay what do we cut right and right. they on purpose like you know stuck to it and they didn't cut the English classes and so many wow. times I go back to my parents and I go like see I dedicate <laughs> my, I, I speak English every single day today so thank you yes. and I hope you're proud so yeah. so I, I I I completely understand the feeling and everything. Um, what do you like the most about what you do today, Anthony? That's a good question. Um, I think, I think first and foremost, it's it's fun. I mean, there's obvious fun, uh, like um, so. Last year, and in fact, I, I, this was reprised. This role uh, happened again in a later iteration of the game, but I played the part of a, a sort of a former evil master of a realm who becomes the player's guide in a video ah. game called The Last Hero of Nostalgia. So that was that was fun. You were playing a character full of meat and grit and and emotion and power and restraint and all that stuff. It was kind of it was a you know even though it's just the guide, there was a there was there was a certain amount of um, depth to that character. And you're getting to you're getting to play the bad guy slash good guy, you know, on the on the on the line, you know, walking that line between right. good and evil. Who doesn't like that? Anyone who's anyone who's ever acted in anything, that's a meaty role. You kind of want to be the bad guy more than you want to be the hero. It's more fun. Um, so, so that was a, that was an obvious example of when this kind of job can be just fun, out and out fun. Sure, there's pressure. You're doing that, you know, in a live recorded session. People have invested time in you. They've taken a, a leap of faith on the basis of your auditions, uh, and now you've got to deliver and and make sure that you help their game come to life. But it's fun. Um, but actually, any time, I think, anyway, that you're getting to grips with a script, you know, deciding how it should sound, playing with different ways of evoking the right emotion in the listener, that's all really challenging and interesting and, and fun. Um, and it also means, um, the other thing about this job is that there's, there's a lot of variety. So, that, I mean, the whole reason we're talking now is because one of your team asked me to voice these beautifully conceived and, and written mini biographies uh, for each team member at Exceed. So the way you'd imagined them was from this kind of movie trailer angle. Right. Uh, which I wasn't expecting at all when I was approached, of course. But it was so different to, I don't know, a video where I'm talking someone through the benefits of some new software. You right. Know, which is pretty straight. Um, and uh, last year I, I was asked to play a newsreader um, in a style that matched the era to overlay some uh, 1970s news footage in a film that's currently going around the, the festivals around the world. So it's just a, a short film. It's a beautiful film, really, really powerful. But they, they weren't able to procure the original news footage because it's based on true events and a true biographical situation. Um, they weren't able to obtain the rights it would have been too expensive to the original news footage so the author of the film um essentially rewrote 
the new script at the time and then wanted right. someone to take the role of a newsreader in the style of the 1970s to, to give that as just background in the film. It's just a little thing, but it was really interesting and a little, just a different challenge. So, you know, you've got, you just don't know what might come into your inbox next, basically. Um, and the other thing, and I guess the, the thing that's different to a lot of other work, and certainly the work I did previously, was that you sometimes get the chance to get immediate feedback. So if I if I go into a recording studio and I've got the client and the engineer, the other side of the, the glass, and they're directing me, I'm getting immediate feedback. They're telling me whether it hit the mark first time or can you try it like that? And, oh, that's perfect. And all and there aren't many situations where you get that kind of little euphoric hit from yeah. someone saying, oh, that's perfect. That's just what we were after. And getting it there and then. You're not submitting something and then, well, this does happen. You know, I have to send stuff off okay. all the time. I, I, I self-direct and self-record every day and send stuff away and have to wait. And there's always that, oh my God, what if they don't like it? <laughs> what, if, what if they change their mind and say, oh no, this, this person is awful. Um, you, so there's always that little nagging, you know, doubt that sits there. But by and large, you get a response pretty quickly and you've, you've, you've read through the brief and discussed what's wanted. And so it's not often that you get something that needs any major change. And sometimes there's this chance for immediate, immediate feedback and, and that, that, that feel good factor. And that's, that's a lovely thing. It is. What is the ratio of the amount of work that you get that you can do at home and being your own director versus the ones that you go to the studio and then you oh, interact with people? It's got to be 95% plus at home. Okay. Um, that's, that's the way things have changed um, as the technologies become more accessible, uh, you know, faster internet speeds and so on. It's now the norm. It, the use, you know, back in the day, before, long before I started, you'd have a far smaller number of voiceover artists out there and they might literally go from recording studio to recording studio and, and sit there and be given, you know, a dozen scripts, you know, radio adverts or something to record. And then they'd go on right. to the next one. And that was their day. They didn't record at home at all. And now it's completely the other way around. So the opportunity to go into a studio which happens a lot in video games because it's you need the space you you know and, and it's 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 good to be directed in real time but a lot of commercials as well and and corporate work I do get the chance to go into a studio meet the client meet the engineers um and and then just walk away when my my job is done I don't have to play with the audio because most work I'm I'm editing the audio as well so it's right. also, it's also a nice treat to go in there speak the words Walk um, away. Yeah, yeah. I'll take more of that any day. <laughs> at home. And at home, uh, you have to manage your own. I mean, you you talk to your clients and go like, okay, when do you need this? Uh, within the next week, right? And then but work start piling up, right? Yeah, so you yeah. have, during your day, you have to jump from the guide at a, at a video game to yeah. the corporate story to yeah. the commercial. You're switching characters like crazy all over, you know, yeah, during yeah, the day, yeah. right? Yeah. And how do you organize yourself to be able to meet everyone's deadlines and all of that? Well, I'm kind of practicing that because I spent, ooh, well, uh, 15 years as a freelance copywriter 
working for multiple clients. So I was used to the okay. idea of, and that's actually trickier because you're dealing with larger scale stuff and, and um, more reliance on people to come back to you with information and stuff while you're still promising that you'll hit this deadline. So it was not new to me, the idea of juggling multiple things. Um, the advantage I have is that I, I mostly do short form audio. So, you know, corporate videos and, um, and TV and radio commercials are the main thing I do. Those are relatively short. So they don't take a great deal of time in terms of juggling and moving stuff around. It's, it's harder when you, when you have someone come in with something and actually you've booked a day's coaching. You, you thought, I'm going to go into this workshop over here that looks like fun. And suddenly a right. client wants something then. But that's the advantage of working at home in that you've got a studio that you can walk into at three in the morning if you need to. And, and you know, get it done. And get it done, yeah. You don't want to. I'm too old now to be working at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> um, even after an easy day. So, but, but, you know, the possibility is there. I can get up early. I, I always wake early anyway. I'm up at five latest, really. So there's always that opportunity to catch up on time. But the other key is you just don't overpromise, and you learn that fast, you know, when you're freelance because you know the buck stops with you. Yeah, you know, if you've said that's going to be there then, unless there's a really good reason, you, you really don't want to let someone down because you want them to come back to you. It's a trust thing, it's a reliability thing. Underpromise, overdeliver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the idea. It's not always possible, is it? You know, real life right. gets in the way sometimes. Your internet might die, your computer might crash, your cat is sick outside and you need to clean it up. I, I know there's, there are things that get in the way, but realistically, yeah, you 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 underpromise, overdeliver, and just make sure you're keeping track of stuff. It's about being organised, I think. Yeah, and obviously, the more you do anything, the 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 more aware you are of how long it takes to do that thing. So you don't say, I can get that done by this time and actually not physically have enough time because you know it will take you that time. Yeah. Yeah. What makes up a good voiceover artist? There's mm. a little bit of organizing yourself. Um, Definitely. But what are the skills you think are needed? Well, I think there's several things. And it's not actually necessarily the voice because we think of, you know, um, if in fact, I'd always thought... A voiceover artist, it's all, it's all about the voice, but it's not. Um, I think first, most important is probably the ability to understand sometimes quite complex subject matter. Enough that when you voice that script, the listener believes you know that subject inside and out, that you're an expert. And secondly, related to that, you've got to at least be a reasonably good actor. Because if you don't understand the subject you're talking about, and you won't understand every subject in any great depth at all, you still need to convince the listener that you do. Um, you need to understand emotions and how to evoke them. I think it helps to have, to be an empathic person, you know, to feel real empathy. I know it's possible to pretend to try to put yourself in the shoes of someone, but actually if you're naturally an empathic person, someone who will genuinely feel a little bit of someone else's pain, then if you've got that ability, then you've got the ability to place yourself in the shoes of both the client with their point of view and the audience 
with their point of view and that means you can you can kind of walk that line in the way you deliver on a script and then you need to be able to listen which is nothing to do with your mouth but all to do with your brain and your ears you know you need to interpret direction because if if you were directing me in a session now and you wanted me to alter just you know just in a very tiny way the way i was delivering on some line you might struggle to explain what you were looking for um so i need to be able to really listen in on what you might mean be able to give you different interpretations so that together we make sure that that you get that message delivered exactly how you want it. When and how did you acquire the skills to be <laughs> a, a good voiceover artist? Was was this your plan all along? How did you get here? <laughs> okay. okay, I'll answer the second question first. No, this this <laughs> this was not my plan all along. Um, as for skills, I I think we all have inherent skills to one degree or another you know things we're naturally better at than we are at other things now i learned to read very early when i was very young and it was kind of always my preferred way to relax and perhaps because of that creative writing came naturally to me so i would read and write and that's the foundation of complex communication and and reasoned expression of emotion and ideas Uh, and then from the age of 11, I started having drama lessons. Um, I, I kind of took exams in, in that kind of stuff for a couple of years. And then I acted in plays during my school years. So then you've got that oral and aural element of communication to combine with performance, you know, trying to bring an audience with you on a journey uh, to immerse themselves in the tale you're telling. So those key ingredients were there early on and, and kind of through my school years but i didn't consider voiceover until much later um i studied drama at university but this was this is back in the 1990s um i'm older than you mateo you, you are um young by comparison um so <laughs> so back in the 90s and there was a recession uh, and i had to drop out of university for financial reasons things weren't easy for my parents um they were running a, a a recruitment firm and we all know that in a recession companies don't recruit yeah um so i ended up dropping out of uni i went back there and and worked with them for i think about nine years eight or nine years wow. um yeah um and didn't i mean i didn't enjoy it it wasn't my sort of thing but equally i somehow i didn't there there was no kind of urge within me and I don't I thinking back I don't know why not there was kind of no urge to to do what I wanted to do until until suddenly I thought hang on look at all this time that's passed so you know what do I enjoy doing and I started to think again about what I might want to do and I didn't want to go back to acting because I couldn't imagine for the life of me um that I'd end up on a, you know, in a TV series and making reliable money. So that means you're going to work in theater and traveling around the country. And I thought, oh, I can't, I can't face that upheaval. I'm, I like having a solid base. I want to be in one place. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, what's the other thing you like doing that you're naturally doing, uh, naturally good at doing? And that was writing. So I thought I'd like to get into copywriting. Um, So I managed to kind of half blag my way into a job with a with a company in their PR and communications team. 
which gave me the opportunity to do lots of writing of a very corporate nature, but then a lot of copywriting is very corporate. Um, and I think I was, I was there about, about three years and then went freelance. An opportunity came along, two opportunities came along at one time, literally within a week, um, to go freelance as a copywriter. So I, I did that, um, and did that for a number of years. And at this point I'd had nice compliments about my voice, um, that I brush away because, you know, that's what you do with compliments. Oh, that's very nice. Thanks. Okay. Um, and even my, co even my colleagues in the PR and communications team suggested that I try voiceover. I recorded um, on a really bad microphone in a really bad, not acoustically treated echoey room. This was just an internal thing for the company I was working for. They wanted the voice of God. You know, when all the awards are announced, that's, that's known as right. the voice of God because it plays out around the stadium, this, this faceless voice. Um, and they, so I, I recorded that for an internal awards ceremony for them, which was great fun on a rubbish micro, you know, ter I mean, the, the quality of the recording must've been awful, but it was a really fun experience. So that was there. And I started to look a little bit online. How do you get into this? Cause I'd never thought about it in spite of doing all that drama, uh, university and in spite of that being an instinct that's something I'd thought about seriously when I was at school I maybe I could do this it, it just didn't occur to me as a thing voiceover um, right. and then when I did research online I thought ah oh, you need expensive kit people talked about how difficult it was to get into how having a nice voice wasn't good enough and all this stuff and I thought nope nope that's clearly a waste of time I won't I won't do that um so I carried on with the copywriting and then occasionally um, clients would ask me to voice a video and I'd do it because it was fun um, and also it was money and uh, that's always handy. So, <laughs> so I did that and then, and then I think I'd, I'd, it was only a year or two after turning 40, um, I think 2018, I thought I either need to give voiceover a proper go or just you know, abandon the idea entirely. Um, and by then equipment was a little bit cheaper. So it felt like less of a risk. Um, and I invested in a professionally produced, produced demo and, and started marketing myself, but it all took a back seat to copywriting and copy editing until this year, really. What do you in retrospective, I know this is a hard question, hmm. right? But if you compare to what you're doing today and the copywriting and everything, where do you think your passion, what do you think you're most passionate about? Um, in a professional world, obviously you mean, um, oh, de definitely the, um, the, the voice work. Um, I think that the, the, the risk you could speaking from a personal perspective anyway, I found that with copywriting, um, while some of it was really interesting and I worked with lots of lovely companies, lovely people. Um, if you're working within, for instance, one industry, so if you've got a client and I typically try to form relationships with creative agencies, um, design firms and stuff, because then they'd find the end clients for me and I didn't have to go out selling myself, which I'm really bad at. Um, so I would partner with those companies and, and be their, their writing resource. But that did mean that sometimes they would specialize in a certain field. 
So there was one client I had who specialized in care homes, um, which is a really important sector. But you run out of ways, or I found that I was, I was running out of ways to create a different brand voice for different care home providers hmm. who were all kind of promising the same thing, you know, something better than the rest, um, a higher quality of care, better rooms, better facilities. And at the same time, it's also quite, it's a, it, it's a, it's a necessary, but really quite sad sector because you're looking at places for people's later life and um, places that, that, that provide end of life care and, um, dementia care and so when you're writing it you know i learned a lot but i was writing about stuff that fundamentally i found really quite upsetting so it, it not only was i jaded with the idea of trying to find new tones of voice for stuff that i'd written about you know loads of times already so i knew the subject matter yeah. i knew that well but trying to find different ways to talk about it without thinking even even if i was achieving that it still felt like i wasn't achieving that and at the same time you've got this kind of this feeling of i i could be enjoying my work more if i was doing voice work and yeah. let's say i voice so for instance that christian blind mission uh video i mentioned earlier if i dwell on the reality of that on the reality of very, very poor countries with no healthcare systems in place and hugely disadvantaged people and children who can't see. If I live in that world for too long, it's really upsetting. Obviously, it's depressing. You, you'll, you'll lose all hope. Yeah. Um, yep. But at the same time, you can bring the fact that you genuinely care about things to that job and then, for your own mental health, walk away from it. You know that job's done. You can be proud of it. You can be pleased with how it, how it goes. You can you can ask for you know how well the the campaign did. You don't often get that information, but you can ask. Um, but you can walk away from something that you found. Yeah. Or by the same token, if it was something really boring, you can you can voice that video about something you don't care about, and then you can walk away. As opposed to copywriting, where someone might come to you and say, now write me a website and a brochure and I'd like some articles and I want, you know, and yeah. suddenly you've got hours and hours of, of trying to think creatively, which takes, you know, a lot out of you yeah. ab about something that you're not fundamentally that interested or concerned about. So the variety, the, talking back to the, the, the things that you loved about being a voice artist, that variety. Um, yeah. But it's, It happens many times, right? I, we, we listen to the stories of uh, many great people and sometimes they were very good at something. They were just afraid to make the leap, right? Yeah, and people yeah. were, you knew you were good. People were telling you that you were good mm -hmm. and you still were finding the right excuses to go on. Oh, on, God, right? yeah. Oh, the expense, you know, the equipment is too expensive <laughs> or whatever, right? Excuses. Yeah, you right? recognize that. Yeah, there are excuses, yeah. <laughs> So, so I find that to to be amazing, but but it's a it's a it's a great story. I'm I'm very happy <laughs> that that you're doing something that you're so passionate about, right? And has so many things going on: the creativeness, the variety, and all of that. Um, 
What do you think the, the voiceover industry looks like today? Crowded. Um, <laughs> uh, well, because, you know, the, the, the tech, the equipment you need has become more accessible. Uh, I think even awareness of it being a career option has increased. Um, and then you throw in the pandemic with lots of people suddenly forced to sit at home, then lots of people dipping their toes in. Um, so inevitably, there was, the, the, you know, the, the, the number of people doing this job has grown, you know, exponentially. But at the same time, with the growth of the internet and, and apps and games and stuff, there's, there's so much more online content and therefore there are so many more opportunities. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a growing burgeoning industry. That's, that's a little bit like a bun fight. It's a little bit of a, a battle in there to stand out. Um, but it means you're never short of opportunities if you're prepared to put the work in and find them. And if you've got what it takes to stand out from the crowd, of course. So there's a lot of growth. There are, it's crowded. There are more artists, but at the same time, there are more opportunities. Yeah. Do you think that, is there any mismatch between opportunities and an artist or, or vice versa? I, I suspect there are more artists than opportunities. Um, I forget the figures, but I did read a recent report on typical voiceover artists' earnings. And most voiceover artists are not full-time. It's something they're doing on the side in their free time when they get home from work in the early hours. Um, so their, their earnings are actually quite small. They're not okay. sustaining. In, 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 in the other end of the scale, obviously, there are people who are earning a ton who are getting all the big TV gigs or the cinema trailer stuff, the big global campaigns and, and making an absolute fortune that we all dream of. Um, but I think more people are in that sort of, I can make a living or I'm adding to my living from this job over here that I'd love to be able to give up. Okay. How, um, how tough it is to get, you know, to that top of the cream and, and how much of that is networking and contacts? That's a really good yeah, question. And being able to sell and find the right agent and finding the right opportunity. It's not all, it's not all about being like super great, right? I mean, no. we're not trying to make up excuses, but at the same time, <laughs> right? What What's your view on that? Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about contacts. Um, that makes a huge difference. Um, so... I, you know, I'm, I am an introvert. I don't, I'm not a natural networker. Um, I'm not a natural at walking into a room and talking to strangers. Even when it's people I know reasonably well, there's an element of fear going into a place where there are more than a couple of people. Um, it's a, it's a strange thing because, you know, I could go and stand on a stage back when I was <laughs> 20, 18 but because you're adopting a different persona, whereas you're walking into a room here being yourself, and that's that's a scarier proposition somehow. Um, but at the same, so I, I recognized, I recognized quite early on that I needed to learn from other people, because if you're isolated in something like this, then you you have no frame of reference, you have no one to bounce ideas off, you have no one to give you real feedback on whether you're progressing, whether you're good. Um, and also that sort of slightly more mercenary practical side of you recognizes that if you know people, you might get referred for work. They might tell you about things that actually, yeah. 
could pay off. Um, so pretty early on, uh, after I decided, you know, I should give this a proper go, I joined an organization called the VoiceOver Network. And they would run um, fairly frequently an evening um, talk with some people from the industry. You know, there would be a theme and you'd pay a little bit of money to go along to the talk and there'd be some networking afterwards. And so I'd literally, I mean, I'd been working on my own at home for 11 years by this point, I think. Um, and I'd even tried going to a couple of like business networking breakfast things, you know, those meetings you go to when I was early days of copywriting and hated them with a passion, just, you know, terrifying, awful, awkward, no. But I've thought I've got to go to these things and at least, you know, go to the talk, see if I talk to anyone. And the first two events I went to, um, people you know, will be in groups because this is actually a, a place where people knew each other. People know each other in the industry. And how do you break into that? You know, how do you, how do you break into a group of people you don't know um, when you are not someone who naturally does that? The answer is you don't, you drink your beer, you run away. So, it's, it's, which is what I did. Essentially, I went to those first two events and I, and I, the talk happened and I sat alone and I listened to it and I thought that's interesting. Now I need to run away. Um, so I, you know, I, I made, I made early. I didn't even need to, you know, you would say we make our excuses and leave something. I didn't need to make excuses because I wasn't talking to anyone. Um, right. so, so I left and then I, I thought, if you're going to give this a go, you need to, you need to just try to be stronger about this. Yeah. And so I had invested in, um, a weekend training, uh, which focused on commercials and TV promo voiceovers. So one day of one and then the next day of the other. And this was organized by the voiceover network. So they had their usual talk on the Friday night before. So I went along to that same feeling, you know, that same butterfly pity of stomach feeling because you're going to have to walk into a room full of people you don't know. Um, and I sat in there and there was a, I wasn't talking to anyone, just listening. And they ran a competition, just a silly thing on Twitter where, you know, you put out the hashtag about the talk and they drew, would draw people for prizes, you know, picking a tweet at random. So I did it. I put out a tweet and my name came up in their little scrolly app. And so they made me come up in front of everyone and receive just a mug just a mug the voiceover network mug but they 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 only give these away as like prizes you don't you can't buy one so it was a nice thing but hugely embarrassing to walk up in front of all those people i didn't know and accept it and have a photo taken and ah oh, horrendous but as soon as the talk finished people came over and talked to me you know because someone because i had the mug someone came over with a with a bottle of wine and sort of poured some wine in the mug you better christen it you know <laughs> This sort of thing. So ended up talking to people and and actually having a nice evening, which was, you know, I had not expected at all. So that I was able to go then to the um, to the workshops the next day. Still terrifying, because at this point I'd also never, I hadn't performed in any way in front of someone since I was 18, 19. Um, so that's, that, that was, that was 20 years before. Um, so it was still terrifying, but at the same time, I knew some faces because some of those people were on the workshops. Right. So that made a big difference. 
and since then, you know, I've been to uh, other voiceover conferences and lots of workshops, training workshops, coaching, and it there's there's a lessening degree of fear every time you go to these things. So it's something I force myself to do because it's still difficult. Even though I know lots of people, I just find out I know that some people are going to be there. I'll be okay. It's fine. But if I didn't go to these things, I wouldn't get. I, I'm referred work by my fellow voiceover artists fairly frequently. You know, I'm recommended for stuff. That wouldn't happen if I didn't put myself out there and 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 meet people because you'll never stick in their mind. I think you know if we we can network online as much as we like is not the same as meeting someone in the flesh and seeing if there's a connection. Did that answer the question or was that just me talking for ages? I have a feeling it was just me talking. No, no, it answered <laughs> the question. No, no, it answered the question. And it's a very powerful message that I am observing. And I would like the audience. A lot of the audience, Anthony, are software engineers, right? Sure. And, and I, I consider myself an introvert as well. Yeah. Um, and life put me in situations where I had to be otherwise, right? I had no yeah. option, right? Yeah. And it happens many times with the, the the type of professionals that we see in our industry of software development, right? Yeah. And so I, I keep saying, and I say this to everyone hearing out, right? It took at least three events for Anthony to be able to talk to someone unless someone poured wine on his mug, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but 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 he did it. He kept going. He kept going, and and that there's a lot of what he has been able to achieve today that came through forcing himself, an introvert, to do something that wasn't natural to him, yeah. but that worked out, right? I think that's a very powerful message for us introverts in that yeah. we cannot hide behind being introverts. It's fine. We all like, you know, I'd rather be at home reading a book. Yeah. And just enjoying <laughs> silence. Yes. Yeah. Right. The dream, right? Not talking <laughs> yeah. to people. Just but but you gotta if in this world, if you wanna go get ahead, yeah. you gotta do the networking. Yeah. You you have to do it. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a sad truth. And you know, um on that basis then, as a as as a point of reassurance but also reality then, um I do still, you know, it's easier for me to go to these things now, but I still have the fear. I still worry about it. I don't. I deliberately don't think about it in advance. So if I've got something coming up, I don't think about the fact that's happening. If I start to think about it, I'll switch my mind off. Or you, or you only focus on, I don't know, something you'll take away from it. You don't think about the actual act of walking into that room, of talking to strangers, of of being vulnerable in that way. Uh, you know, whether it's vulnerable as a person showing your 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 personality or your skills either way it's you know the, the situation we introverts can imagine especially the shyer introverts because there's shy and there's introvert um yeah. the, we can we can magnify that you sit there and think about it you'll magnify and come up with all sorts of horrific outcomes i know i have uh, so, <laughs> so i actively don't think about it at all until the day until i'm on my way then it's going to come in i'm going to feel the fear but i'm still going to not think about it until I'm walking in the door. But the point is that if you don't go, you will miss out. So you have to overcome it. But equally, at the same time, it's, it is worth knowing that fear is not going to magically go away. Yeah. 
you know, it's always going to be something you're not really comfortable with. But what you need to do is come away from each of those things, things thinking, okay, well, I spoke with two people or I spoke with one person or 10 people or, and I actually made a connection I felt with that person there. And someone said a nice compliment here and hell, it was better than sitting at home for once. And, you know, take all the positives you can and try to remember them the next time you've got to go somewhere that's scary. Yeah. And learn to live with it. I, I love it. Um, what challenges in is the industry facing today, Anthony? Well, I think there's, um, leaving aside, you know, kind of where advertising is going on the basis that, that you know, do fewer people watch the TV. We've got streaming channels now. So, so the advertising revenue model is perhaps ultimately going to change slightly. Uh, leaving that aside, because I'm not an expert, then I think that there are there are a couple of challenges really for the industry uh, and for the people working in the industry, perhaps more than the industry itself, if you see what I mean. Um, so, firstly, there's what we call in, what we call play to uh, pay to play platforms, which is where you pay a subscription usually uh, to be on um, an online marketplace. You know, a channel where a client can choose between hundreds or thousands of voiceover artists. Um, at that and places like Fiverr that are more general, so you can go and get a designer, you can go and get a voiceover artist, you can go and get a writer, you can go and get, you know, whatever. Um, yep. So those those pla it's a kind of a dual-edged, double-edged sword because the those platforms have made it really easy for people to get started. But some of those platforms and some of the best-known ones are really about making money for themselves. You yeah, know, they're not there to educate clients on what they should be paying for a certain type of job. Some of them take more of the fee that the client does offer um, for their own pocket than another platform that's offering the same job. You can see the difference. Yeah. You know, you know which ones are actually thinking, nope, we want more of the cash. Yeah. Um, and they don't educate new voice voice artists either as to as to, you know, what's the right sort of money to be charging. So you've got this risk of a, of a race to the bottom in terms of rates. Uh, and already, as, as mentioned, lots of people don't earn enough to, to live on. It's a sideline, but it'll never turn to anything more if they only follow that sort of race to the bottom platform thing. So yeah. you've, got to, you've got to play with that sort of stuff very carefully, use it to your advantage, but not, not make that your only source of income because you won't stand out against 200 other auditions time in, time out without offering a really low price to a client that wants a really low price because many will say, well, it's not about the money. We know we're selling a, a, a you know, a, a product here and, and it needs to be a good, good audio to match our beautiful video, our beautiful sound design, this message we've spent time creating, but lots will say, yeah, that's good enough. You know, so, yeah. so there's, you know, there's a balance to be had. And equally on those platforms, some of those platforms, I should say, not every voice talent is kind of vetted. You don't know their background. You don't know necessarily their audio quality or their performance quality. So if you, you could, you could put an audition up saying, I need this type of, this type of voice, you know, female, French, um, aged 20 to 50. And then you get 200 auditions that you've got to wade through and you've got no idea really if those people can perform. And it's a lot of time, which seems like a, yeah. a very strange, strange way to go. But it's definitely 
It's the easiest way people think to go about finding a voiceover artist. And lots of voiceover artists, you know, beginners think that's the way I need to make my money. Yeah. So that's, that's a challenge, I think, for everyone, you know, because they can really work for you. But at the same time, if you don't choose the right platform, um, then I think you, 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 you're going to spend a lot of time and money getting, making mistakes. Yep. And the other challenge is AI, obviously, because, uh, excuse me, I need to clear my throat. <laughs> because there is, and it is a, it is a, you know, there's a big, big thing now, obviously, among voiceover artists, because we've, we've seen synthesized voice come along in, in leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. So there are a lot of people thinking, uh, is there any point anymore? Right. Is, is there an industry for me to be part of shortly? Um, and we've seen um, large software vendors revealed to have clauses in their their terms and conditions and who reads all the terms and conditions yeah. saying you know if you store your what your recordings are in the cloud here with us we've got the right to use that stuff for whatever we want training ai models whatever the same goes for artists illustrators yeah. graphic designers all you know a lot of that ai stuff you've seen out there has actually come from stuff being used and people weren't necessarily aware it's not that they, it was um, stolen, but it wasn't necessarily explicitly outlined, and nor yeah. were they paid for their their input. So there's, you know, there's there's this fear about this happening. We've seen we've seen um, the quality of the technology improve a great deal, um, and people are genuinely wondering, well, what, you, how do I how can I exist in a world where you can you can just go and buy a voice? Um, so that's a huge challenge. I think there are two ways, though, of of thinking about this uh, that will help anyone who's concerned about it. And it's something I have to remind myself of because you know it's, it's easy to get negative and worry about these things. We're not in we're not in control. We're not in charge here, after all. Um, and that's that. No machine uh, can react emotionally or even logically to the same level of precise direction that a human can. If you tell me to do something, um, I can I can interpret the words you say to me and deliver and make tiny tweaks. You might say, "Not like that. Try this," and I move it, and I move it, and I move it, and within a minute or two, we've actually tried, you know, a dozen different ways of saying something. And you think that's the one. Whereas if you're sitting there with a bit of software and you actually want to tweak the recorded performance, move, you know, change the modulation of it, you, you need to be an engineer to do it fast. And even then, you're looking at a lot of work. And what you're not getting is the emotional input into that, the acting quality, the belief the background, the lived experience. So there's a lot of that that we should take comfort in as voice artists. I don't know how that helps, you know, a, a, an illustrator, but but speaking from a from a performance perspective, um, that's important. And the other thing is that there there are platforms on their way which might give the voice actor more control. 
Because the fear okay. currently is that you you might record for a text to speech or a speech to speech project, you know, get paid what sounds like a lot of money, but is actually a lousy amount of money if you give away your rights to your voice forever. Yep. Um, which is another part of the problem because lots of people have done that, thinking two thousand pounds, excellent for a couple of hours' work. What well, what that does mean is that they've they've lost the right to their voice. They've given that away forever. So someone can always find them, or you know, not knowingly, but find them, use them. It's just, it's a really risky thing. But there are platforms emerging which might work more along the lines of you licensing your model, licensing your voice out. So you get to choose. You get to choose. Because do you want to advertise a handgun if you're in America? Some people will, some people won't. But if you just sell your voice... You've got no choice. You could be the voice of this. You could be the voice of this political party, even though they stand for everything you hate. Yeah. You know, so so a platform that offers you control of where your voice is used is 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 on its way, I think, um, and is vital as well. Ethically speaking, it's vital because otherwise, I think you've got a situation where where people are ex- exploited for their skills rather than yeah. paid for their skills. Oh, it's it's getting me crazy. I was uh, reading the other day someone talking about music as well and um, mm. similar situation, right? I mean, the, yeah. the models are trained and they are picking up. But then what's coming out, I mean, there's, there's so much that you can edit, right? And you can even take, you know, I know you like Coldplay. Okay, hmm. we can now take Chris Martin's voice and put it in Chinese. Yeah, his voice in Chinese, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. going to be done. It's it's being done today with AI, right? Um, already, whatever you listen to, there's so much auto tune AI, you know, yeah. stuff that has been like so manipulated. Okay, yeah. manipulated, right? So. It's like organic versus non-organic food, right? I mean, an yeah. organic food has like organic labels. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, voiceover, music, paintings, organically created by humans, right? It's like, yeah. We, yeah. It's like we're coming to an age where that label is going to be there. And then it seems to me that, there, yeah, there's going to be a lot of mass consumption of mass-produced stuff like there yeah. always was but i am tempted to believe that there will also be like uh you know okay we want to see the real thing again right we want to go see a concert yeah. and see the, the people live we want to have a relationship with anthony and get the real thing we want to um but then it's also about how the artist can create and maintain those relationships Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's a lot of work there. Like you said, I mean, yeah, the relationships and the people that that know what you're getting when you're getting to you. But the, the other thing that was coming to my mind, Anthony, is. You know, you were a copywriter, you have the the writing, the reading and all of that, and you have the, the voiceover. Is there a point where all of those get together and you and you start creating content that then you perform yourself I don't know. It's just maybe. brainstorming, right? But maybe, yeah, you may you may be right. I mean, that then is a that is a different model entirely, of course. And 
you can create it. You know, I, you know, I still help some clients with their scripts. I still, you know, um, I edit for natural English when it's a, 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 a been written in, a, in another language and translated. Right. I still do that stuff. Um, but the idea of creating something without the client, you know, because you'd be doing it off your own bat then. You, you, yeah. you, you, it's almost the goodwill hunting dream, you know, where Matt Damon and... Um, yeah. Yeah, they write their own script because they wanted the roles. And it just happened that it kind of launched their careers. So we can, in principle, create something. In reality, you know, you know, it, it, how no, easy is, is that really? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. It's you're a great right, idea, right. you know. I've, I've I've done you know silly, slightly slightly humorous videos uh, that I've put out on LinkedIn. I'd never dream of trying to attempt to monetize that or believe that I could create something that that people would come to, you know, want to see rather than scroll past and go, oh, that's quite that's quite amusing. That's as much yeah. as you can hope for, I think. Yeah. As much as as much as I hope for, to be to be to be noticed in a slightly positive way. <laughs> true, true, very true. Um, last two questions. What first one? What yeah. would be your advice for anyone that wants to become a voiceover artist? Right. Okay. Um, I would say, don't just jump in. You know, because as discussed, there are there are platforms out there that might exploit you you might shortchange yourself you might do yourself a disservice you know if you go out there send, sending samples of your work that isn't up to 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 scratch whether that's the audio quality or the performance quality and you send that to clients yet they may remember you for the wrong reasons you know so do your research understand how the industry works what rates to be charging and then look to get training where possible. Now there are now certainly here in the UK, and I think I think op they operate in North America as well. Uh, Gravy for the Brain is um, a training organisation for voiceover, and they're very well respected. They've got lots of different modules for different forms of voiceover, and the opportunity to get mentoring and discussion forums with other people who know what they're doing. You know, if you so if you if you start to cut your teeth with people and companies that that know what they're doing that aren't looking to exploit you that's as good a chance as you've got of getting started i'd also say don't undertake any text-to-speech work without getting the contract looked at properly and having professional opinion on the rates because the last thing you want to do at a point where ai is and i think you know it's likely to take out a lot of the lower tier stuff you know right. the cheap explainer videos uh telephony systems we're used to hearing crap voices on telephony systems anyway. So that yeah. stuff can easily go get taken by AI that's much better than that. Um, so that would ordinarily, that stuff is usually the, the, the kind of building blocks for a career. But suddenly that's going to go by the wayside. So the last thing you want to do is make things even more difficult for yourself by giving away your voice early on in your career at a point when AI is suddenly going to go in terms of quality. Yeah. So hold back on thinking, oh, $10,000. That's a lot of money. Take my voice. Because that might be the only time you get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> very important. Very, very important. I think so. And, you know, if you, 
it's you've got to you've got to charge what you're worth in any line of work. Yeah. If, you, if you're not offering a professional product, and I know voiceover works and and, and music and, and art work in a different way to you know when you're climbing the corporate ladder, when it all seems to be based on experience as much as knowledge about time served, that doesn't apply in the creative industries. I don't think you're producing you hope a professional product um if you're not ready because you can't produce the audio quality or because you simply aren't good enough at the craft of voicing of playing your instrument of songwriting um of 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 illustrating of graphic design if you're not good enough of those things you're probably not ready so rather than charge cheap low rates that you'll never be able to get back from that client again because they think you're cheap um, wait until you're good enough. And if you are already offering a professional product, if, you know, if um, Jack Daniel's Whiskey picks you up from a, a, a platform like Fiverr and says, be the voice of our brand for this video, and they offer you $100, it's Jack Daniel's who are saying yes to you. They've got an image to protect, so they think you're offering a professional product. So don't let yourself be shortchanged. Don't look at that quick hit of a small amount of money um, when really you're worth more. I think those are important considerations at any point in your career, but but certainly when you're starting out, I think you've got to you've got to you know walk the line carefully. Know your worth and defend your worth. Yeah, um, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Anthony, what do you do when you're not working? Wonder where the next job's coming from? Um, no. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit true. No. Um, I, I live out in the countryside uh, between a couple of villages um, in a fairly quiet spot. Um, and so when we moved here, my, my partner and I, we, we suddenly had a, a, a big garden where previously we'd had a little courtyard garden. Um, so suddenly there's the opportunity to to get really stuck in with gardening um, and create a, a, a beautiful space. So I like to spend time out there looking at the fruits of those labors, but usually I'm out there maintaining the fruits of those labors, which is less fun, but kind of rewarding. Um, and other than that, then then I'm, I'm reading a book, um, you know, having my cats take up all the space on my lap and on the sofa around me. Um, watching watching films and, and, and Netflix and stuff and occasionally having to go and talk to people. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I do actually go out. You can get cabin fever when you work alone, um, can't you? So I do like to get out and have a change of scene. I go out and I, I will go to the nearest town with a decent coffee, sit and have coffee and watch the world go by. I don't necessarily want to talk to people. You know, there's a brief just interaction. I just want to watch. Yeah, I want to remind myself of stuff. And and also, when when you do character work, uh, and, and and most most of my work is not outright acting. It's 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 more corporate and commercial fare, as we've discussed. But at the same time, you're observing the way people interact and behave and talk, and that's kind of valuable. So I think that's a good enough excuse to get out, have a coffee, and not do any work. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Anthony, this has been amazing. I love your voice. I love the work that you're doing with us. Anyone listening, just look up Anthony Houston 
um, amazing voiceover artist and actor and someone that you want to meet and have a relationship with and, and, and eventually, even if possible, call a friend. So That's thank you for lovely. being here. I, I hope we can do it again. Um, Absolutely. Mateo, it's been an absolute pleasure. It was so so nice chatting with you. I've loved working on the Exceed journeys. They've been tremendous fun. Um, and I, I I just wanted you to grow and grow so that you have to keep coming back and, and giving me this fun work. 